I've made a list. Uh-huh. And I've checked it twice. <laughs> and we're going to find out who's Slytherin and Hufflepuff. <laughs> you know, naughty and nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. This is a slightly more nuanced than that. Dumbledore is coming to town. <laughs> we have four categories. Ah. Naughty, nice, brave, and smart. Yeah. No binaries here. <laughs> You heard it here first. Harry Potter is incredibly non-binary. It's true. <laughs> well, the students at Hogwarts are sorted into houses according to Whatever that shifty sorting hat says they ought to do I asked Dumbledore if I could be sorted He said sorry, buddy But I could get reported to the Ministry of Magic for incorrect procedure You're not a wizard, you're an elf And welcome to Sorted. I'm Alex. I'm JD. And this is not a Harry Potter podcast, but instead a podcast about everything else viewed through the lens of Harry Potter. Harry Potter is inherently flawed and sourcing even more so, but it's still fun to view characters in this way. And it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Chrysler. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 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 Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas, and we're dogs, and we're doing the Christmas times. Alex, what are we sorting for Christmas? It's our annual sort of Christmas movie episode. Yay! <laughs> uh, we're sorting Elf this year. Yay! Yay! Elf. I hadn't seen Elf properly in full, where I've been paying attention to it for some number of years. I don't know mm-hmm. how long. It's a funny film. It's a good movie. I watch, I watch Elf every year. Like, there's cringe humor. A little bit. But, like, I just, when he's being sincere and heartfelt and sweet and, like, just complete, just misunderstanding, yeah. that's great. That's good shit. It's very good. Like, what's the joke that just got me? I was just sitting in the doctor's office just eating the, yeah, eating the cotton one, wool balls. gotcha. Yeah. He just sat there eating them very happily. But then, it, like, his dad, who has not accepted that he's this man's dad, is just like, no, don't do that. He's, like, already just being a father to him, whether he likes it or not. Like, yeah. Stop eating those. Don't eat those. <laughs> It's just, it's great. It's a good time. Yeah. A delightful Christmas movie made up primarily of montages. <laughs> so many montages. <laughs> There's so many montages now. And they don't even play the montage song from, from Team America. <laughs> Actually, was this before Team America? It probably was. When did that come out? I don't know, probably mid-2000s. Oh, this would have been mid-2000s. This was, Elf was 2003. I feel like yeah. Team America was probably 2004 or five. Huh. Yeah, 2004, yep. This okay. was a year before Team America, so they couldn't do the montage song, so yeah. I forgive you, John Favreau. Instead, they just have a bunch of fun. So many montages. Fun Christmas And Will Ferrell isn't entirely unbearable in this one. <laughs> Will Ferrell's... Will, hit or miss. He's very... He's completely hit or miss. <laughs> very hit or miss. His films are either great or... Oh. <laughs> yeah, that adds up. Yeah. Love him in Lego movie. <laughs> yeah. The thing with Will, Will Ferrell is... There's similarities there to Adam Sandler, mm. but the difference is Adam Sandler just did all of his good films in the 90s and Hotel Transylvania, <laughs> and everything else he's ever done is terrible. Mm. Gotta make money. Uh, yeah. I don't know that he does, though. He's probably pretty good. He could probably yeah. retire. That's fair. He just makes films to go to pay for holidays with his friends. Yeah. Anyway, Elf. Elf. Let's sort it. Let's sort it. If you haven't seen... What is an the elf? ...beloved Christmas movie, Elf. What is an elf? What is what is the plot of Elf? It is about a man who was... A human. Uh, yeah. But a human, short. 
a human not. baby who was like accidentally brought to the North Pole and raised as an elf. Turns out he's not because obviously everyone else could tell that from a glance because he's six foot four. Yeah, he's a human man, and he finds out that he has a, a, a remaining family of his father and then his father's like family in new york city so because he... his father naturally works in the empire fucking state building so there's a very convenient snow globe depicting his father's job yeah it's fun it's christmas <laughs> it's, it's cool uh so he goes on a journey to new york where he finds his father who is a christmas curmudgeon and he's on the naughty list yeah very scrooge and he has some adventures exploring the world outside of the North Pole. And, and eventually saves Christmas. Saves Christmas. It's like the blurb from his storybook or something. Yeah. So let's talk about Buddy. Buddy is the main character. He's Will Ferrell. Yes. He is an elf. Although I've got to say as well, like just got to talk about the Force perspective for a moment. Oh, the Force perspective John is Favreau so good. John Favreau really fought really hard to minimize the use of CG. Yeah. And it... It it pays off. It does. It does. Like it when you can do it not CG, it's gonna be better for it. All these mm-hmm. shots where like you've got this like an obvious child actor, for instance, with a ver- with an old man behind him who's clearly much tinier than him because he's just actually far away, and there's just a different pair of hands on the kid's shoulders. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Sitting on Will Ferrell sitting on his adopted father's lap, and there's a pair of legs sticking out, and it's just a different pair of legs. Yeah. Good, good stuff. It's very like good. Like, the behind-the-scenes clips of it. Are... I think things like that are why this this one holds up so well. Partly. I'm thinking about other Christmas movies where the CG doesn't hold up as hmm. well. Such as... The Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs> think about that horrible, horrible gif. Uh... <laughs> I mean, that's definitely still one that people love and watch every year. That's fair, that's fair. But that's not one that, like, I like very much. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, Elf is, like... It just, it, there's something about it that is always, like, very charming, and it's mm. not distracting. Like, the visual stuff going on is not, like, ugh, really bad CG from the mid-2000s. Yeah. It's just, like, it doesn't take you out of it, and I appreciate that. Yeah. It also holds up just because it's so, it is so sincere and heartfelt. It's extremely Like, sincere. it's not trying to, it's, at no point are you expected to think that Buddy needs to change, really. No. Like, no. and he doesn't inherently change he adapts a little bit yeah but he's still the same person he's always been and he just brings that to other people yeah that's a huge part of the the resolution of the climax throughout the movie you're on his side like the entire time you're like it's never like oh haha he's a crazy person in new york it's like there's a little bit of that a little bit but it's more (laughs) just like oh he doesn't understand how the world works but like whenever anyone is like mean to him for that you're never on their side oh of course it's always like hey you leave this this wonderful cinnamon roll of a man alone. And he just he does nice things and brings it to other people. Yeah. The, yeah. the spirit of Christmas incarnate. Yeah. And it helps the movie hold up and it helps the character hold up. Yeah. It's a very, a very lovable character. He, working at the North Pole at the beginning, he gets kind of down on himself because he realizes he's not as good as the other elves at things because he's a human. He only yeah. made 85 etch sketches in one day instead of a thousand. Yeah. Because apparently people really need a lot of fucking etch sketches. <laughs> yeah, what is the demand on etch sketches in the early 2000s? Why is it? Why were there so many etch sketches in 2003? I don't know. This movie probably helped their sales a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. There's a lot of etch sketches in this yeah, movie. Yeah, you know, Toy Story probably helped a little bit as well. But then this movie where he draws a friggin' Mona Lisa on yeah. a Edge of Sketch. He uses it to, like, take notes a few times, Yeah, too. He just, like, has an Edge of Sketch, like, <sighs> a bunch. Which is very funny. Like, so by elf standards, he's 
Not very good at not his job. Not great. By human standards, he's absurd. He's, at one point, he's like, how did you sleep last night? Amazing. I got a full 40 minutes. Yeah. And, like, he accidentally stumbles into a job at a department store because he's dressed as an elf and it's Christmas. So he stays up all night turning their Santa land into a Christmas wonderland by building a Lego model of the Empire State Building, setting up model trains. Just, like, decorating, like... So much. Everything is like shiny and white and snowflakes and. The boss comes in and is like, they must have sent in a professional to do this. Yeah, and it's like, ugh, I love it. Yeah. (laughs) It just just makes me happy. Like, he's inhuman by normal standards. Yeah. Just like the amount of energy and enthusiasm that he has. Probably because he subsists entirely off of sugar. Oh, yeah, that man is going to die young. It's amazing he's not already dead. His four (laughs) food groups are candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. Big yikes. And at one point, he just puts it all on spaghetti for breakfast and chocolate as well and just grabs handfuls of it and duffs it in his face. But then he has a snowball fight where he can rotate his arm at, you know, 100 (laughs) revs per minute. Yeah. And that's what they teach you in the North Pole. It's like. You've got his his half-brother, who at first is like, oh, jeez, it's that weird old man who's like, <laughs> apparently my brother, I don't want to be seen with him. But then immediately, but he proves himself, and now they're the best of friends, and they just go and have fun Christmas times together. Because yeah, yeah. do- it doesn't take long for Buddy to work his way into your heart if you give him the chance. Yeah. Which he does consistently throughout the movie. The whole mailroom thing. He gets yes. sent down to the mailroom, and like he says to his father on the phone, like, it smells down here, and everyone looks like they want to kill me. And then five minutes later, he's dancing and everyone's having a party and a fun time because he's just so delightful. You just want to be happy around him. His enthusiasm is contagious. Incredibly so. He's just like a ball of joy and it is impossible to like not get in on that. He's also a combined four-year-old and golden retriever. Yeah. Like the the way he's talking, he's just like... So, how are you? I, I, I missed you. I waited for you for five hours today. So, good news. I saw a dog today. <laughs> <laughs> like, buddy. 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 <laughs> just it's just delightful. Makes um, me happy in my heart. This man could be nothing but a Hufflepuff. Mm. Okay, what do you got? <laughs> what do you got? I think he is unbelievably brave. That's fair. I think he uprooted his entire life to try and find out more about himself goes and meets his father, is confronted by this and, like, does not have a good experience there, but does not give up. He keeps going until he gets absolutely screamed at and he realises, oh, I'm making him unhappy with my presence. He only gives... He doesn't give up just by being told no. He gives up when he realises that he's causing a problem. But then the moment he sees Sandra, he's like... Like, he's super down on his luck, but he rushes off to help save the day and faces off against this, that, and the other and, has like, comes up with a plan ready. He's, like, got those leadership skills. Yeah. Whereas, like, compared to Hufflepuff, okay, he is, like, obviously kind and patient, loyal. Actually, I'm not... Is he patient? I guess he's patient in a way, but also he... Like, he's patient in that he'll wait for his father, but impatient in that, like, he needs everything to happen immediately. Yes. Consider that whole thing that you were saying about him being brave and like it it sounded like you were describing someone extremely determined and hardworking and loyal (laughs) um which like some of those can be Gryffindor traits as well but like his willingness to help willingness to sacrifice like his own chance at having a family Mm -hmm. to make his dad happy like that like he leaves Mm -hmm. because he thinks that that's the right thing the willingness to like 
You think self-sacrifice is a Hufflepuff trait rather than a Gryffindor trait? I guess it's a Gryffindor trait. That's a very Gryffindor trait. That's fair. Um, (laughs) But consider extremely hardworking. Yeah. Like, just does not quit. Um, And at the root of his entire being is kindness. Like, what do you think he values? (laughs) I don't think kindness is actually really supposed to be a Hufflepuff trait. Honesty? Sure. He's very honest. He is incapable of lying because he doesn't know what that is. And that's the thing that, like... You said he's brave, but, like, I don't necessarily think he's that brave. I think he doesn't know how to not be brave. Like, I don't okay. think there's, like, a fear that he's overcoming. Sure, okay. Like, it's not that he, It's not that he is facing his fears, it's that he's fearless because he's never had any cause to fear. Yeah. Okay. Like that's a, fair. Like a baby deer rushing into traffic. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. Okay. No, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Like. Yeah. I don't know. That's how it reads to me as Yeah, no, you're the... right. You're very right. This character who'd gone through a normal life experience might be Gryffindor. Yes. But because of his sheltered life experience, he doesn't really have the experiences that would push these traits to be Gryffindor traits. Like, he talks to to Jovi, and she's like, I don't sing in front of people. And he's like, well, there's no difference. If you can sing alone, you can sing in front of people. Like, he doesn't understand that difference between being afraid of doing something. Mm -hmm. He's Uh, never been made to feel... Like ashamed or embarrassed mm-hmm. for the way he is. That's another thing I really enjoy, by the way, about the whole North Pole thing. Like everyone at the North Pole knows he's not very good at what he's doing. Like, and he he knows that as well. And like his supervisor comes to confront him about like his shipment, and like he's trying to support him and encourage him and like help out. But at no point does anyone ever try to make Buddy feel bad for it. They just know he's different, and they try to encourage him and support him. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you changed the light bulbs and this and the other. Like, yeah. You bring they the care. elf choir down a whole octave. <laughs> yeah. Like, they care about him. They just know he's not very good at his job, but they don't want him to feel bad for that. Yeah. Yeah. And like Another very, delightful aspect of the film. It's just yeah. so, very clearly raised yeah. in a very like supportive mm-hmm. environment. Like, there are only ever really two bad guy characters in the film properly. Mm. His father and Miles Finch. <laughs> yeah. One of which he like you know. Brings around, of course. Yeah. That's the point. With the power of love. Yeah. Okay, no, I'll give you Hufflepuff. Yeah. Yeah? Well, let's talk now then about Walter. Okay. His father, Walter Hobbs. He's on the naughty list. He's on the naughty list, which is the most horrifying thing Buddy could hear <laughs> about his own father. He works in publishing. Yeah, at Greenway Publishing. Is that what it's called? I, yep. He does... In the Empire State Building. Yeah, he works in the Empire State Building. He does, like, children books. Yes. But he does... He does not care. He doesn't care. He signed off on blank pages going this picture book because it would be too expensive to replace them and then gets chewed out for it by his boss because this is terrible and we're like we're plummeting in the rates like or our stock is falling or whatever. Yeah. Minus eight. We're posting a minus eight this quarter. <laughs> that does not happen. I don't know what that means either. No, what is a minus eight? It's probably some stock thing. Um, but all he cares about is the money. Yes. Like he's he's there for the, the money. And to look good. I imagine at some point when he started this job, like when he was younger mm-hmm. and a little bit less jaded, yeah. he probably did care about like children's literature and the, to the a job point, that at he least. got into. Yeah, like I don't think anyone goes into uh, publishing for the money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's somewhere that you like aspire yeah. to. I don't think he would have ever particularly cared about children's literature in particular. Sure, I yeah. think he just sort of would have fallen into that. But been interested in the publishing side in general, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's Because al- we know at the end when everything gets turned around, like, he starts his own publishing company. Yeah. So, like, clearly there is, like, some something there that he was at one point, like... 
yeah. excited about or passionate about, and he just has forgotten that over time. Yeah, that and like the grind of the job, the the constant churn. They the the book isn't selling well. Though, well, then we're going to rush out a new book for the first quarter, so we're going to have a meeting on Christmas Eve to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And over time, that just that wears you down. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just, you know, he was, but then he was never able to separate that from his home life and let it erode him in every other way instead of just hating his job (laughs) and coming home and just trying to forget about that. Yeah. It just kind of made him a real bad, grumpy person. Yeah. I mean, it's a complete Scrooge. Yes, absolutely. Archetype. The real, the real bad guy of the story is capitalism. <laughs> capitalism? Capitalism. 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 The, vri- Let me sl- the greatest enemy, capitalism. <laughs> you want me to slur it a little bit more? Capitalism. <laughs> the greatest enemy of the movie is capitalism. Capitalism. I think you've been drinking some of that syrup from the mailroom. <laughs> So is Walter a Slithering? That's the obvious boring take. Mm. Is he? I'm not sure. Like, look, there, there's two ways to look at this. Mm. One, the character that we are presented throughout the majority of the movie, mm-hmm. which I would say, yes, Slytherin. He's driven by ambition, money, like, yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Or we could sort of look past that a little bit and look at the man that he maybe once was and the man that he sort of becomes by the end of the movie. Yeah. And I guess it sort of depends on if you want to look at this, like, if we're just taking the movie at face value or Mm -hmm. if we want to do some speculative stuff. Well, let's talk about what he would be besides that. Ravenclaw. Yeah? I think so. Because? Um, so let's assume... This is, I mean, this is speculation. We don't actually know for sure because mm-hmm. this is outside of the, the canon of the movie. But let's assume that he got into publishing because he was actually passionate mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. literature in some fashion. And he's just been worn down. And then at the end of the story, we know that he goes back into that and he starts his own publishing company, presumably because he is passionate about literature. Mm. That reads extremely Ravenclaw to me. Not sure. only for, you know, books... And for that aspect, but, like, the creativeness of it, especially children's literature, like, that is a very creative endeavor. Mm. By the way, I can't wait to read your Walter Hobbs fan fiction, <laughs> because you're thinking so much about the the uh, details around the movie. Prior to recording, I had never thought about this. This is all, like, on the spot. My brain just, like, yeah, let's dig into this a yeah, little Yeah, it's great. Well, it's a, it's like a fairly well-written movie that, like, oh, yeah. has enough context. John Favreau is a good filmmaker. Yeah, that, like, you can sort of imply these kinds of things without the movie straight up telling you. That's mm-hmm. that's good writing. Yeah. I think there's still an argument, though, that he might still just be a Slytherin outside of his jadedness. Like, sure. from when he began his career and ongoing afterwards. Like, not the side of wanting money, but the ambition. He wants... He wants to be known as a good publisher, right? Sure, he wants yeah, to, to yeah, present yeah. that, and that's still true. By the end, he like he makes his own publishing company to publish his son's book. There's also that familial relationship there, like absolutely, the like yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. helping his son to now publish a book. And starting your own business is extremely ambitious. Yeah, regardless of your your goals. Yeah. So I think we can. I think we can say Slytherin. Meet that as sort of a middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like. The obvious character that he is presented as for most of the film is Slytherin anyway. Yeah, I like that, yeah. Yeah? Like I said, because it's all speculative, like, there's no way to know for sure, yeah. and I like that. So I guess we found out who's Hufflepuff and Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> you better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out.
Up next is Jovi. Jovi. Now we get into some more, like, slightly more nuanced and interesting characters, I yeah. think. Yeah. Jovi's great. Jovi is great. Zoe Deschanel in one of her earlier roles. Zoe Deschanel playing the love interest to a man ten years older than her. And seeming like she doesn't really care about anything yeah, that's going on. Yeah, she is not enthusiastic about this role. And I don't know if that's because that's her, how her character is written or because she just, like, wasn't into it. And also, they, and also they make sure there's a scene of her in the shower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is the other movie we're talking about. It's the same. Problems. The same problems. With Zoe Deschanel. Someone help her. Well, they did. Yeah, she's okay now. Yeah. In this movie, we meet her as a shop employee, sales yeah. person. She works in the... the gimbal's north pole yeah very much a macy's style department store yeah, that, yeah. like has a ha- has a christmas section probably i mean obviously it's like a smaller scale version of like macy's and like yeah their their actual um their christmas section is a lot less impressive but you know it's still <laughs> fine but it obviously makes it a lot better <laughs> she's you know one of the employees who's paid to like dress as an elf and and she's there to make it seem christmassy yeah and... she's wrapping she's wrapping presents yeah and like, the store has, like, yeah. a gift wrap option. That she's... And she's putting a ribbon on it, but her boss is like, six inch ribbon, girl. That's impossible. Six <laughs> inches. Yeah. And she's like, I'm, I'm just trying to do my job. Yeah, she's like... like, I mean, she does like Christmas. Like, there's never really a point where she's like, ah, bah, humbug or anything. But yeah. she's like, she is working retail. Yeah. During the Christmas season, she is not having the best time. Yeah. At no point is she presented as being any kind of Grinch or curmudgeon or whatever. No, she I just mean, seems we, tired. We see her uh, like apartment and it's not exactly decorated for Christmas, but she also lives alone. So like, you know. And we know that like her water got shut off. Like she's like struggling. Right, yeah. Like, That's not really brought up much. No, but like it is an important part of her character. Yeah, it like, just, she it, is sort of really low yeah. at, at this point. Like she does, she doesn't hate everything, but she's just kind. Yeah, she's just kind. Yeah, she's rolled down on her luck. Yeah, yeah. And then this man walks up to her, who's staring at her and being kind of a creep, but <laughs> he's just genuinely like complimenting her on her Christmas tree decorating skills and like how nice it is to be in the store and how Christmas is great. And she's like, "Wait, you're not like being a perv or anything. You're not trying to like flirt with me and get my phone number. You're just." being pleasant yeah you're you're just this isn't like a, a bit or anything you're just like this and yeah that's endearing and yeah and so eventually she gives him the chance to, like accepts an offer for a date yeah and that's that that date montage i feel like is the one point in the film where we see her like seem like like very like she seems like she's having a good time yeah more because so again than most of the she's movie. getting to see like this man just be in his environment and like Again, she meets him for the date. She goes outside. She rushes to the door when he gets there as well. Mm. And she goes outside and he's like, so what do you want to do? I've got some ideas. And turns around and walks away. And she's like, what? You're <laughs> not going like, to hold my hand and like yeah, shrewse me? Yeah. No? So he takes her for the world's best cup of coffee yeah. in a crappy coffee shop. They go ice skating. And it's adorable. And he kisses her on the cheek. And then he's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But then she's like, no, no kiss me uh my favorite moment of that the is christmas tree the christmas yeah. tree he's like showing her all these like like department store christmas trees and he's like oh look at this one it's so big and, this and then she looks like... at his face like lit up like a christmas tree yeah and seeing she's, like, this. she's like let oh, me show you you haven't seen you haven't seen and like takes him to the big one i think it's the one in like rockefeller yeah that sounds like, right yeah um like you know the uh, big christmas tree and just delights in the smile on his face yeah. and that is that is great. That is adorable. And I think that, that that's like where her actual character is shining through. So much of the movie, she seems sort yeah. of like run down. Yeah, very much put down by 
the world. Yeah. And like this very Plus like this, this ray of sunshine of a man sort of walks into her life and yeah. like brings her a little bit of happiness. And I think that that's why she's so like drawn to him. Yeah. And then by the end, they have a baby and she's dressed up in a giant pink elf costume that was being made custom for her. That's a, that's a little weird. Yeah, a little bit, not that it's weird. A Christmas movie, that though. scene is a little weird. That scene and is a little it weird. It feels like it's unclear, but it seems like she might have been filming that on her own, <laughs> and like having to react to nothing because of the forced perspective. At the very least, she would have been much closer to the camera than yeah. like, the person whose eye contact she would have been making. Yeah, and you it's... know. Yeah, that seems not the weird. best acting I've seen ever. But you know what probably happened is they probably filmed that one early because they filmed stuff out of order. Sure. So they probably would have been filming all of the stuff in the North Pole sets. Sure. So she probably like would have been it would have been early in film production mm. and it's like before she like really got comfortable with that could, what was yeah, going on, you yeah, know? Sure. That that could definitely be part of it. Mm. Hogwarts house. Oh, I don't know. She's hard. <laughs> like cuz she she just feels like a just like a normal person. Yeah. Um she's got a good heart. Yeah. Um Well, how about the Gryffindor side here? Ooh, yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> because because of the climax. <laughs> yes. So Early in the movie, we uh, she says that she doesn't sing in front of people. Like she can sing, but she doesn't sing in front of people because, like, you know, she gets stage fright. Social anxiety, yeah. Yeah, um, she she's clearly like a very reserved. And there's a scene of her singing in the shower. Buddy comes in and is like, she thinks he's being a creep, but no, he was just drawn to he her just, because yeah, of her beautiful singing. He just didn't understand. Um, so yeah, she's like she's she's clearly like shy and reserved and doesn't really like to put herself out in front of people. Yeah. But at the climax of the movie, she realizes that like what needs to happen to like save Christmas yeah. is that there needs to be a little bit more Christmas cheer. Because that's another great thing with her like okay she realises Buddy is a bit weird and eccentric but the moment she's presented with the idea that Santa is real and everything she just rolls with it like She's yeah, like yeah that yeah. makes perfect sense actually. That makes more sense than that this man is just actually like this without being raised by elves in the North Pole Yeah. Um... So she like t- takes in his message like she meets his younger brother again He's like, Santa's in the park and we need, we need Christmas cheer to make the sleigh fly. And she remembers this thing that Buddy said to her early on, which is that the best way to spend, spread Christmas cheer is singing loudly for all to hear. And so, so she gets up on the stand. She stands up in front of this crowd of people who have gathered there and starts singing. And that is the bravest thing. In New York fucking city? Yeah. In front of like this crowd of people. When who we know, all turn and stare at her. And we know that that's like her worst fear. Like she yeah. is terrified but she does it yeah Gryffindor I was going into that saying like with everything that's going on in her life just courage to face the day quite frankly absolutely but yeah also that yeah Gryffindor for Jovi man I was not expecting this episode to get so like nitty gritty character like these characters are more fleshed out than I would realize (laughs) but now that I'm thinking about it I'm like dang it's a good film it's a good movie let's talk about Emily Mary Steenburgen, Ted Danson's wife. Yeah. Cameos of the final episode of Good Place. She's in uh, Back to the Future Cl- 3. Clara Clayton. <laughs> She's in other stuff, too. I always recognize her. She has, like... So there's something about either her face or her voice that is just like, oh, yeah, it's that that lady. She's... I don't... She's in, a, she's in things. <laughs> um, She's a delight, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, So we, we meet her, like... I feel like midway through the film. Somewhere around there, yeah. We because, meet her before... Because there's so many montages before there this. So but, like, montages. we don't meet her 
until after the DNA test. Yes, we do. Do we? Oh, yes. there's one scene of like a there di- is a, scene. a dinner scene. Yes, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah. However, it's very minor, we meet but... like we get that little scene, and then we meet her finding out that her husband has a son from a girlfriend he knew at college, and she's so supportive. Yeah, instead of being like shocked and appalled. I mean, to, and to be fair, he, he didn't know himself that he'd had a child, so yeah. she can't blame him for that. But she's like, yeah, she's immediately like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. Like, are you going to meet him? Like, well, like, can he come over? And like, when do we get to talk to him? And she's like, she's so excited. Yeah. Although probably not those exact words because he's already in their home when they're having that conversation because she opens the door oh, and Buddy's right. already decorated for yeah. Christmas. I don't remember the exact scene, but I know that she's really supportive and excited to meet him. Yeah. And yeah. And immediately she's like, okay, this man's strange. And they have dinner and, like, they get his story. And he asks for the syrup for the spaghetti. And she's like, well, I didn't put... This is spaghetti. (laughs) Oh, Tori, I've got some... Like, and just, like, immediately, like, okay, this man's got problems. But we can... Like, he clearly needs... She's never, like disparaging or mean to him. Oh, no, definitely not. She's extremely supportive. She's like, oh, okay, like, you, you, like, syrup on your spaghetti, all right. Yeah. You made me syrup spaghetti for breakfast. I I appreciate it. I will eat this. Because she's normally the one making breakfast, and, like, it's not like she's a housewife or anything. She's also, like, some high-powered executive. Yeah. We don't go into details about it, but she mentioned she has a board meeting at one point. Yeah, like, she is also, (laughs) like, got a career. Yeah, but she's immediately here to be, like, supportive for this family and yeah she's really sweet she's I definitely like hufflepuff she's like hufflepuff. yeah like that's yeah so welcoming and like yeah loyal yeah. loyal she's she's patient um, in that like climactic scene where jovi is singing and like the crowd is sort of staring at her like what are you doing she is the first person that jumps in and starts singing along that spurs the rest of the crowd to do it as well and like she like I, i'm not i don't know if this is true of mary steenberg and or if it's like just if it's a thing they did for the character or whatever, but <laughs> at the very least, Emily cannot sing. She's not good at singing. Yeah. But she sees what's happening here and realizes what needs to be done, and she and joins she wants in. To help, and, and she's she not knows. even told that like the whole Christmas cheer thing. She just sees that Jovi's up there. It's like, okay, we're singing. Yeah, let's do let's this. Do this. Yeah. Like, Christmas. She's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love her. Less nuanced character, maybe, but a delightful yeah, character yeah. nonetheless. She's more of like a side character, but she's just, she's nothing but wonderful. <laughs> Let's talk about the first character on this list. And the first character, I feel like, in quite a while, who could actually get sorted at Hogwarts. Oh! Because he's approximately 11. Whoa! It's Michael. Michael. The Michael younger brother. is Walter and Emily's son. Yeah. So, as mentioned earlier, we're, at first, he meets Buddy and it's like, Buddy's waiting from outside of school in his full elf attire, waving at him, screaming his name. Michael! It's like, do you know that guy? No, I've never seen him before in my life. Which, obviously, he has. He doesn't... Yeah, he's, yeah. like, with his friends, and he's like, I don't want You know, he's a kid. Yeah. There's a weirdo. You don't... Even if he's your brother, like, this strange man screaming at you dressed like an elf. Yeah, yeah. You're a teenage, preteen um, boy. So he's not super into it, and then he realizes that Buddy is... Super nice. Yeah. And has his back. Yeah, but he helps he, him against yeah. bullies and... You know, like, you just met him, but he is, like, ready to throw down. Yeah. Also, that was fucking awesome, dude. You just, like, <laughs> annihilated this army of bullies. It's so good. Who were absurdly well-coordinated with their snowball attack. And then I think the next scene is them in the house with the Christmas tree that they cut down. Uh, not quite. They, they, there's a, another montage. Oh, right, yeah. There's a montage of them going montage. to... Yeah. Montage the movie. <laughs> 
another montage where they go to, uh, just have fun being brothers. Yeah. And it's great. He helps set him up with Jovi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they cut down a Christmas tree in the park. Like he just like, as soon as he like lets Buddy in, yeah. he's just, he's, he's all in. He's like, yep. Yeah, all right. This guy is buck wild. Yeah. But like, <laughs> let's go. Strong male role model that he's not really had because his father's been pretty absent until that point. And someone who is like willing to have fun and do kid things with him, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. He definitely, like, needed someone who wasn't serious all the time. So, like, the moment he's, like, from that moment on, he is all in on Buddy is my brother and my best friend. Like, when Buddy leaves, he leaves a note in the home, and Michael's the one that finds it, and immediately rushes to his dad's office. Like, Buddy's gone missing. We gotta have to, yeah. Like, he is. This is the most important thing right now. We need Buddy back. <laughs> He's my family now, yeah. uh, and I love him, and we need to keep him, so get your shit together. <laughs> and then they go and find Santa in the park, and there's a brief moment where he's like, so you're Santa. He doesn't he's, quite... He's not, not like there. going like, no, you're not Santa. He's just like, but that, but Santa's not real though, right? He's, yeah. But he's then like Santa's got a skateboard sure. for him, and now he has belief. It's just all in, and like, he ha- like he goes and tells... Jovi, what's going on? He's like, Santa Slayer's in the park and he needs Christmas cheer to fly. Like, he's just like. He's a good kid. He, he wants yeah. to help. And yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what, Hogwarts house? I think he might be a Gryffindor. You think? Yeah. Go on. I think he's he's got like this readiness to like do whatever needs to get done. Like, it's something about his like reaction time in regards to like serious situations like oh buddy has gone missing we need to do something about this immediately maybe that's like a leadership quality hmm. which like seems weird coming from like a a, a child but I, <laughs> it, it is that kind of thing of like no one else is is doing what needs to be done hmm. I, we gotta do something santa's in the park let's go spread some christmas cheer like i got his book let's put it on the news like he's very like get stuff done sure um very proactive mm-hmm. and sort of just jumps into things yeah and I, I feel like that's Gryffindor. Okay. I'm good for that, yeah. <laughs> Gryffindor. Cool. Who's next? Up next is Papa Elf. Papa Elf. Buddy's adopted father, who is one-eighth his size. <laughs> yeah, Buddy still insists on sitting on his lap at every available opportunity. <laughs> He's a child at heart. Papa Elf. Everyone calls him Papa Elf as well. He doesn't seem to have another name. Yeah. The other elves have names, and they're weird names, like Ming Ming and Pom Pom, but they're names. Yeah. He's hey. Papa Elf. This is slightly unrelated, but I think I just realized something. Mm. They mentioned early on that Buddy grew really fast. Mm. Because, like, elves live a really long time. Mm. And, like, presumably grow a lot slower. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's why he's, like, so childlike. Because he's still expected to be a child. By elf standards, he's only, like, a teenager. Like, he's, you know, he's not as old as... I mean, I guess they put him to work, but I guess they do that with all the kids. I don't know. It's unclear. It's they, unclear, they, but he's not as old They as... live much longer, but maybe they mature at a similar rate or something. Sure. You know, that classic D&D bullshit excuse yeah, for yeah. why characters in their 30s are still age-appropriate, even though they can live to be 500. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe, but like, I think... like It's unclear. He is relatively younger than... Sure his elf counterparts which mm. is why he's like i'm gonna sit on my dad's lap because he so it still <laughs> sort of feels like a kid you know mm. by by elf standards maybe maybe i don't know that, he definitely clear. grows out of that by the end of the film because he has a child that's fair like you can't still 
think of yourself as a child if you're having a child. Like, I get it, like, the whole thing of, like, adults growing up and realizing, oh, I still feel like a kid. Yeah, that's just how life works. Everyone feels like that. The entire <laughs> That's just a thing, because there's no big moment where you become a man, unless you're Jewish. <laughs> Bar mitzvah. I know. That was just... Uh, caught me off guard. <laughs> um... Papa Elf. So he agrees to raise Buddy because he's realized he always wanted kids, mm-hmm. but he was so dedicated to his work that he just forgot to settle down and have a family. He was like, seems to be an older elf, but also, I guess he's been the like head elf or the he- in charge of Santa Slay for yeah. however long. Yeah. But it took until he was like 490, I think is what it was said, for him to reach that point. Yeah, yeah. So he's. But he's an extremely loving father. He wants yeah. what's best for Buddy, even though, like, he probably should have told him at some point in his life that he was adopted and a human. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I think when it's something that impossible to hide, you gotta be open up for it. Yeah, because your child is so loving and wonderful that he just doesn't, like, he doesn't even consider it a possibility. Like, he knows he's a bit different, but he, I don't know. He's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking, good dad though. Yeah. Like extremely supportive, extremely loving. Like. But I want to argue Ravenclaw. Okay. Again, going into the whole, he is in charge of Santa Slay, and he's in charge he is, of the yes. technical side of it. He takes Buddy on as his apprentice. Like he's intelligent. Yeah. He know like, he developed he, the um, the like yeah. uh, engine on the on the yeah. sleigh. Yeah. It wasn't just that he works on it. He made the sleigh work in, in like the sixties. Yeah. Like. That it's like a jet engine yeah. that like surpasses modern technology that he made in like the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. That still draws on human crisp Christmas cheer. So I wanna say Ravenclaw. I like that. Yeah. Mm. Ravenclaw. Cool. And our final main character. <gasps> it's Santa. Santa! <gasps> Santa! Oh my god! <laughs> I know him. I know him. Yeah. It's a, it's a good moment. It is good. He's just thrilled. Good. Like, this man who he spent his entire life around and only saw, like, a week ago, yeah. but he's still thrilled beyond belief that Santa's coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Santa... He's just a dog. Santa in this movie is a fun take on Santa. Yeah. He is a rough, gruff Santa. He knows about peep shows. <laughs> He's ready to attack anyone who comes near him and the reindeer. I mentioned this while we were watching that he's like, oh man, this is like a, this is a Santa that will fight you. Because like, Buddy comes up to him in the park Mm -hmm. and he's like, oh Santa. And Santa like turns around with like a wrench or something. Back off, buddy. You'll spook the reindeer. Like he's ready to like knock out some stranger in the park. And it's not like he's going like, oh, here's someone I'll have to deal with them because they're not allowed to know about Christmas. No, he's just ready to fight to protect the reindeer from Uh, getting spooked. Yeah, this is a Santa that has been around a long time. He knows how the world works, understands that things are not as nice as they are in the North Pole. I mean, like while they're flying off near the end, he just says, I'm getting too old for this job. You So... I, I learned this recently. This was originally written in the early 90s mm. and it's going to be a PG-13 starring probably Jim Carrey. <laughs> that line in the original was definitely, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> and they just had to censor it when they lowered the rating. Excellent. This is a Santa that would say shit. Yeah. This was a Santa that would say fuck. This Santa says fuck. This Santa says fuck. Off Not screen. Off screen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love a Santa that says fuck. <laughs> but yeah. What Hogwarts house is rough, gruff Santa? <laughs> I don't know. 
feel like he's he's like he's really down to earth. Mm. Like really. <laughs> Except when he's flying. Uh, yeah. Um. Like he's just like really realistic. Mm. Like he doesn't have any magical expectations for. Make sure to warn world. Buddy that chewing gum you see on the street is not free candy. Yeah. Buddy doesn't listen. And he he knows like the difference between the real world and the North Pole yeah. in a way that like none of the elves really do. I don't know. I think a lot of them kind of do. I think, think I think Buddy's just a naive yeah, maybe. idiot. He's, he's a child. Possibly because he's a child, yes. He's an elf child. But, like, I think the others know a bit better than he does. Probably. Like, Probably. the one, like, the, the manager of the workshop who's, like, <laughs> got to pick up the slack on toy production. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, I... My answer says either Gryffindor or Slytherin. Oh. What are you going to go? Ravenclaw. Okay, why Ravenclaw? Knowledgeable. Okay, street smarts, kind of. Yeah, he's got street smarts. Yeah. This is a Santa with street smarts. Hmm. Like, yes. <laughs> Definitely. I'm not sure I would necessarily say that street smarts mean intelligence in that way, and or that they mean Ravenclaw. Hmm. There are different kinds of intelligence. Yeah. Definitely. Like, Luna Lovegood is a Ravenclaw, mm-hmm. and she has... No street smarts. Absolutely no street smarts, but she has, like, an emotional intelligence. Name you know? a Ravenclaw with street smarts. Here's the thing. I can only <laughs> name, like, three Ravenclaws. Name every Ravenclaw that you can name. Luna Lovegood. Uh-huh. Cho Chang. Of course. Roger Davies? Yep. He's an idiot. Yeah. Gilderoy Lockhart. Oh, Gilderoy Lockhart is a Ravenclaw. Uh, Michael Corner. Oh. I think Quirrell might have been a Ravenclaw. I think so. And obviously Flitwick. Okay. Flitwick's the best argument I think you've got for saying that, like, street smarts could be a Ravenclaw thing. If you say that Flitwick's brand of street smarts, where he was, like, a duelist and everything, are some... Yeah. That. But... Flitwick was, was a hat almost stall. a Gryffindor. He was a hat stall. I bet Flitwick says fuck. <laughs> he and McGonagall get together just to scream fuck. They watch like like professional Quidditch, and they're like some of those sport fans that like yell <laughs> at their I don't know TV or whatever. Well, they just apprehend. McGonagall whatever. definitely would be like she she's barely restraining herself <laughs> because she has to pay attention to Lee Jordan, but sometimes she doesn't even pay attention to Lee Jordan <laughs> because she's too busy screaming at the match. Uh, they go to <laughs> gotta go Flitwick go to the professional Quidditch matches and just like get wasted yeah. and scream at the players. They were there at the World Cup. They were absolutely Fully there. Fully face painted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and utterly shit faced. Yeah. Probably rooting for different teams. Oh. Wait, who is rooting for Ireland I don't and who's for Bulgaria? Mm, I, I don't know. I think McGonagall's too much of a home girl. Yeah. Like, like she she wouldn't she would root for the the homest team. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And Flitwick might be like, yeah, I'll go for Bulgaria. That's just fun. To, just to kind of spider, <laughs> you know. Oh, I want this like Flitwick McGonagall friendship. Give me where are the fix? <laughs> where where is this? I'm sure we can find you some. Please. But for now, <laughs> McGonagall and Flitwick were the same kind of hat store, Gryffindor yes. and Ravenclaw. And I think that street smart side comes from the Gryffindor. Okay, well, I'll let you have that, yeah. There are book smarts there, obviously. They both have that book smarts. Mm. But this Santa, we don't not really know that he's got quite that. That's fair. So I think he might be Gryffindor. Sure. Yeah. I think that eagerness to, like, throw down is is probably Gryffindor. That's, yeah. Gryffindor! Ooh. Which means it's time. It's time. It's time for the lightning bolt round! <laughs> Alex, up first is Ming Ming. Is this... The head elf. The head elf. The head elf. Yes. 
uncredited actor. Uh, he's the guy who played the kid from Christmas Story. Ralphie. Ralphie. Uh, why do I know that? I know the character's name. I was just, I just didn't say it. Oh well, context. <laughs> Tell me about Ming Ming. Uh, Ming Ming has a job to do, and he wants his employees, so to speak, to do their best. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants them to have a good work environment, but also he does have quotas to meet. Uh, I think he's a caring kind of Slytherin. Oh. Tell me about Leon the Snowman. Leon the Snowman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leon is one of the Rankin Bass style characters from Buddy's Home in the North Pole. He's a snowman. Uh, he supposedly has this like kind of worldly knowledge from when he was a young Cumula Nimbus. <laughs> Just stupid as heck. Although Santa immediately disputes that and says he's never gone anywhere. So who knows? He at least acts like he's knowledgeable. But I'm going to go with Ravenclaw. I think this is Ravenclaw. He wants this to be seen as intelligent for the sake of it. He's like a wise snowman who gives you advice. Alex, how about the Arctic Puffin? The Arctic Puffin is sad to see Buddy go, but... Is he the one that cries? No, No. it's the the walrus that cries. cries. Um, The Arctic Puffin uh, consoles his sad friend. Yeah. He's like, bye-bye, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's being strong mm. as he sees his beloved friend leave. And I think, I think that's brave. I think that's a Gryffindor. All right. Tell me about the baby walrus. Baby walrus is a Rankin-Bass baby walrus who cries when Buddy leaves. He's a soft-hearted Hufflepuff. Yeah. Alex Polar Bear Cub. Polar Bear Cub, I think maybe has one line. He's also there. He's just kind of there, Slytherin. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I... Tell me about Mr. Narwhal. Mr. Narwhal is also there. Says, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. That's bye, nice. Buddy. Hope you find your dad. Hufflepuff. I love the Narwhal that just shows up. Uh... Alex, tell me about the character that Wikipedia tells me is apparently named Wanda, <laughs> the manager at Gimbal's. What? I don't know. Wikipedia says his name is Wanda. What do you want from me? I don't know. Okay. Uh, the manager at Gimbal's, um, I think he actually likes his job. I think he mm. takes his job very seriously. Oh, yeah. And I think he is very proud of his job mm. and his set of employees. Yes, he thinks they're a team. They want to stay together yeah. against this intruder who's come from head office to decorate. <laughs> yeah, and I think he wants to, like, protect his workers and keep his sort of little team good. I want to say Gryffindor. Okay. It's either Gryffindor or Slytherin. It's kind of like on that line, but Mm. I think more towards the Gryffindor. Okay. Tell me about Deb. Deb is Walter's secretary, who seems more like she should be a teacher for (laughs) primary age children, because she is so sweet and nice to Buddy. And like, the moment he sees her, they're just like, hi, I saw you the other day, yeah, hi. Oh, she's someone who got into the world of publishing because she does care about Ooh, children's yeah, literature. Okay, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. She is very caring. We mm-hmm. hear her on the phone. Yes. I'm gonna do some. More, oh, yeah, like, oh yeah, this is weird. I'm gonna hear. I'm gonna throw out some more character speculation. I think she's extremely giving, and yeah. she can't really say no to anyone. Such we as hear, when someone calls her to ask her to declaw their eight cats. Yeah, and she's like, I don't know. I've never declawed kittens before, <laughs> but bring bring them over. How I'll many s- are there? Eight. No, I'm not going to charge you. Bring him over. I'll see what I can do. Like, she's she's extremely giving. Yeah, I've got to be Hufflepuff. Yeah. Alex, how about Morris? He's one of the two employees of, of uh, who, like, one of the two writers. Okay, which one is it? This is the one played by... It won't matter. It doesn't matter which one it's, but they're both idiot Hufflepuffs. <laughs> 
Hold on, don't swap my character. Andy Richter. Oh, that one. Yeah. He's Hufflepuff. Yeah. Okay. Like, they're kind of clueless. I think they do care about mm. their work. They're just short on time and kind of dumb. So tell me about Eugene. Eugene Dupree is the other one, I guess. He gets a surname for some reason. <laughs> and he, yeah, similarly just wants to help write this children's book he's really interested in doing it about farm vegetables he has a breakthrough when he fight the- i mean their first breakthrough is we call in a different author to do our jobs yeah, for us yeah, yeah. and they're like we made a breakthrough we found his notebook that he dropped when he left like- it has an idea really similar to one that we had <laughs> so we're just gonna go with it i i think they won't go with a different one yeah. i think they listened to the advice not to do that one but, but they still use one of his ideas. anyway yeah hufflepuff yeah. <laughs> Alex, how about Fulton Greenway? Is this the big boss? This is the boss. This is the head of the publishing company. Um, He's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he doesn't have a family to spend Christmas with, I oh, guess. He might do. He just doesn't care he about them as much as money. Sh- he just doesn't give a shit. He's a Slytherin. Yeah. Tell me about fake Santa. So fake Santa is the Santa who goes to Gimbal's to be Santa. Yeah. He's not really Santa. He sits on a throne of lies. He smells like cheese. <laughs> And like Buddy calls him out on it and he threatens to kill Buddy in front of a small child. Yeah. And then when Buddy pulls his beard off, he tries to attack and murder Buddy. Some for some reason it's Buddy's the one that gets the restraining order though, even though like he We don't I'm sure the Santa did as well. They're both just He's absolutely fired because he threatened to murder in front of a child and assaulted someone. Like, he's not allowed to work with children anymore. Yeah. That's... No. <laughs> this man is a bad person. He's... House? I'm gonna go Gryffindor. Okay. I think he's just a bad Gryffindor. Yeah. He's I... another Santa that will fight you. <laughs> yeah, but like... A lot of Santas in this movie that want to punch you. Yeah, but he's doing you just to be a dick instead of to protect his reindeer. Yeah. Alex, tell me about Dr. Ben Leonardo. Uh, this is a pediatrician. I... I, I don't entirely... Well, he can't just be a pediatrician. He just runs a DNA test. You would send that to a lab. Well, I guess the result's the same day. I don't know. It, I th- I'm pretty sure it's implied that he's a, he's a pediatrician. Well, he's like, also there's... on first name terms with Walter. Yeah, they're like friends. Yeah. He's like, he takes him... That's why he took him to a pediatrician. I guess. Is because he's like, hey, you're a friend of mine. Like, can you hook us up with this DNA test or whatever? Hmm. Uh- Either way. <laughs> Played by John Favreau because John Favreau has to have a cameo in any movie he makes. <laughs> yeah, I'd say he's a Ravenclaw. Like he's he's a doctor. He's he's helping yeah. people. He gives genuine like advice. Like he's he's yes. identifies that by like going through it logically as someone who doesn't believe in Santa because you're an adult in a world where what? Yeah. So he like assumes Buddy's going through like a, a psychosis or whatever. I forget. Yeah, his words. he's like he's reverted to a childlike state to deal with some trauma. Yeah, and like, he's not being he's he's not unkind about it. He gives genuine good advice. Just take him home, meet the family, like treat him well, and ho- like see how he develops. Ho- hopefully, he'll bring himself out of it. If not, then we can take it further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, no, he's just being a, a helpful doctor dude and yeah. coming at it very logically, which I think I'm gonna say Ravenclaw. Sure. Yeah. Tell me about the mailroom guy. Or as I wrote, mailroom friend. <laughs> he is a friend. He's a guy who's working in the mailroom who looks rough and gruff. Buddy, he's working next to Buddy in the mailroom and Buddy sees he's pouring quote unquote syrup in his coffee. So Buddy empties his bottle of, of friggin rum or whatever, 
which like you'd think would get the guy pissed off but no they get waste absolutely wasted together so <laughs> he clearly had a bit of buddies up as well yeah to get as bad off as he was yeah and they just like lay down on the parcels of mail and just talk it out and just be they're just declaring each other you're my best friend you're my best friend huh? <laughs> <laughs> he's 26 he's 26 his actor is 46 <laughs> That's a throwaway line that has no real bearing on anything. But it's just to show this man who does, he's clearly not anywhere close to 26. It's just a funny joke. Yeah. But he's really nice, though. Again, he's really nice. Like, he's just trying to do his best. Yeah, he's working. He's like, I think he's on parole or something. Yeah, like he's made some mistakes in the past and For he's sure. trying to do better. And like, you know, he's a bit weirded out by Buddy at first. But instantly warms up to this like happy go this literal elf in his life. He is drunk at work, which is not the best. Not ideal, but, but... I'm gonna go. Oh, I can't go with Hufflepuff if he's drunk at work. Mm, yeah, not very responsible, but he is sweet. I'll go. I'm gonna go Slytherin. Okay. I'm gonna go Slytherin. Yeah. Alex, tell me about the security guards. There are two security guards, and they regularly interact with Buddy, mostly mm-hmm. because they are escorting him out of the building. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna. Oh, I'll just come back later. Yeah, you're not coming back later, buddy. They're the ones who tell him, like, yeah, go back to Gimbal's. And that's yeah, that's he ends how he, up. So he just walks to this. He's like, okay. Finds Gimbal's. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. Well, I'm at the Although moment I, of my dreams here, so this works out. I think it was just, like, across the streets or something, which is was, why. Yeah. Um, um, they're also seen at the climax singing along yeah. with, with the sing-along on the news. Yeah. So um, good on him for that. I think they're just doing their job. Yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah. I don't think they're particularly invested in <laughs> this story that's yeah. ongoing. They're a little bit rude, but... Yeah. I'm going to say Hufflepuff. Okay. Um, There's rude Hufflepuffs. Mm. I think they're, they're, they're doing their job and they take their job seriously. Hmm. Tell me about Charlotte Denon. Charlotte Denon is a newsreader or a, a journalist in the field who's reporting yeah. on the apparent Santa sighting in Central Park. She is... She's naturally dismissive of it. Like she's not. She's not trying to be rude or anything. She, like she's clearly kind of small time. And she's trying to make it bigger. Like yeah. she's trying to become more successful. So she I takes mean, this very seriously. She clearly has her fans. Some random guy to get to interview who knows <laughs> you, absolutely Charlotte. nothing is just there to compliment her. Your eyes tell the story. That's what I love about you. So I anyway. also, I also adore that. Like she's interviewing a man who points out, well, it was really my daughter who saw it. So she immediately like ignores the man from that point on to talk to the child who's actually yeah. got the information. Which is. That's fun. That's good. Yeah. More newsreaders like that, please. I'm going to go Ravenclaw. Okay, She's yeah. seeking the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex, tell me about Carolyn Reynolds, the little girl. The little girl. Carolyn Reynolds wants a Susie talks she a lot. She wants a Susie talks a lot. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> she's the little girl that buddy meets at the doctor's office while he's waiting for the results of his test. And she's not like put off by this adult man in an elf costume in the pediatrician's office. No, she's really sweet. Look, he's like, he talks to her like a person. Yeah. Like, he's... She's a kid, but he treats her like he treats everyone else, and it's nice. Gets a little giggle when she sees him eat the cotton wool bud. <laughs> yeah. That's been on his bleeding finger. It's fine. <laughs> um, I think she's a Hufflepuff. Oh, okay. And she's friendly and sweet. And watches the news, so I guess she's extremely informed. <laughs> Every well. child apparently watches what? the news when they're in bed on Christmas Eve. It's like the weirdest thing, the of all of the like weird stuff that happens in the movie, that's the one that like takes me out of it. <laughs> like I could be like I could get like the idea of like 
if it was a staged thing, the, the new oh, the news reporting on Santa, the parents might want to let their kids be in on that. Yeah. Because it's Christmas Eve and there's a Santa sighting. Haha, <laughs> cute. Yeah. But like, also, it's in Central Park. This could be anything and they could be scarred for life by what they're about to see because <laughs> it's not being censored for them. Well, um, what was her name? Carolyn? Yeah. Uh, no, sorry, Charlotte. Carolyn or... Sh- Wait, do you mean the, ch- the child or the newscaster? The kid. The kid. Carolyn. Okay. She's in her bedroom. Yes. Watching the news by herself. Yeah. It's not like she's in the living room and her parents have the news on. Well, it's still bedtime on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why are you watching the news? And we see a handful of other children doing the same thing as well. It's <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Oh, no, there was one child who was just sat with her mother. Yeah. That's less weird. Mm. That's fine. That's whatever. But there was another boy who was in his room. What are you doing? Mm. Anyway, tell me about Santa's elves. Santa's elves are all of the other elves in the <laughs> workshop. They try their best. They are Christmas elves. They're full of cheer. When they, They're they, very hard work. Yeah, they celebrate like a successful Christmas. Santa comes in. Another successful Christmas. So now it's time to start working on the next one. Yay! And they're all like, thrilled beyond belief. So yeah, go Hufflepuff. Yeah, they like working. They like their job. Yeah, Alex, tell me about the cobbler elves. <laughs> <laughs> so there are three jobs that elves can have. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the senses elves, but they're one Santa's of them is. Elves. And then another potential job for elves is uh, working for a cobbler, making yeah. shoes. They they come out and make the cobbler shoes while he's asleep at night. Um, and they are not having as good a time as the Christmas elves. <laughs> the Christmas elves. They're kind of um, pissed off at their lazy dude. But they are still hardworking. Yeah. And I'm going to say Hufflepuff. They're, they're, they're more jaded, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Which brings us to the cookie elves. <laughs> the cookie elves bake cookies in trees in the woods, which is a terrible idea. Why do they do this? The tree just bursts into flame in the dry season, but they, they're still expected to do it, but then just run away. Makes no damn sense, apart from for a single throwaway gag at the beginning of a movie. Makes no damn sense. Compels me, though. Does it? I like a Keebler cookie. <laughs> <laughs> uh... They run away from the tree screaming, I want to make shoes. <laughs> so they're probably even less happy because their work just sets on fire sometimes. Yeah. I'm going to... Oh, they're making food. It's got to be Hufflepuff. Yeah, I think most elves are just kind of Hufflepuff. And Alex, finally, tell me about the Central Park Rangers. <laughs> the Central Park Rangers. Oh, no. It's the Central Park Rangers. They're on the naughty list. <laughs> I put them on the naughty list years ago and they never forgave me. So they apparently know Santa's real and want to apprehend him. We never meet them, but they are just dressed in all black on midnight black horses. Yeah, we just sort of see them. <laughs> they're just these horsemen of the apocalypse. Looming. They're, they're just there to present a, a threat. Yeah. And a clock. And yeah, to create like a... a tension and time limit. suspense and yeah. drama. Um, so they're just like... I think they're just guys that work in Central Park. They're like the police for Central Park. Mm. But they are on the naughty list. They, but the, yeah, they do clearly know that Santa's real. Yes. Because they hold a grudge against him for it. Yes. They've <laughs> encountered him before. But only the Central Park Rangers get to know he's real. Well, who's going to believe him? <laughs> so I guess they just they just wait year after year, hoping that one night Santa might finally crash into their park so they can capture him. Presumably, again. They've encountered him before. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, where's my yeah? Where's my Santa and the Central Park Rangers prequel to Elf? Oh my gosh! A fucking action movie where Santa gets a gun. This Santa would. <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Santa gets a gun and fights them. Like make it like make it an adult film for 
the kids who grew up watching Elf originally. Give me the diehard S. <laughs> yeah, yes. Santa badass prequel. Fighting the Midnight Black Central Park Rangers. <laughs> anyway, what Hogwarts house? So they're in. Okay. They hold a grudge. And that is Elf. Oh, the title's too short. <laughs> Sorted. <laughs> Delightful. Uh, uh, which means... Which means... It's time for sorting it out. Yeah. And it is your turn. All right. It's Christmas. Let's talk about Christmas and Harry Potter. Okay. You ever notice how Christmas and Harry Potter is fucking miserable? <laughs> Every year? Uh-huh. So the first two aren't quite as bad. Yeah. The first one is more kind of melancholy and a bit sad. Yeah. Christmas Day itself is fine, but then Harry gets the invisibility cloak and goes and finds the mirror very sad and is just staring at his parents night after night. Yeah. Eh... <sighs> Yeah. Chamber of Secrets, again, it's not too bad. This is where Harry and Hermione are like undertake, undergoing their plot to use Polyjuice Potion to try and find out from Malfoy that he's the heir of Slytherin. And there's some funny gags, especially in the film. I think it's my favourite Harry Potter Christmas. Probably. It's, I think it's really fun. But then, and it ends with Hermione being like, Turn into turned a cat, into a cat. Is, and it's not exactly the it's not the worst but it's not the best Christmas for them or anything. Yeah. Every Christmas after that is fucking traumatic. Yeah. Next year, Harry gets a firebolt, and Hermione, fearing for his life from the the, uh, the su- supposed mass murderer that they know is hunting down Harry, mm-hmm. says, hey, maybe this unmarked, unlabeled gift is actually designed to murder you. I'm going to go and get an authority figure just to check it and make sure it's not a murder weapon. Yeah. And they're like, Harry and Ron are like, this is the worst thing you've ever done or anyone has ever done. Like, no. And so they respectively stop talking for her, to her for either weeks or in Ron's case, fucking months. Yeah. He doesn't speak to her again until like late spring, early summer. Yeah. What the fuck? Why do we have to do this? Come on. Then we get the Goblet of Fire. The, the fucking, the fucking, the fucking. <laughs> the fucking? Not the fucking. There's no fucking. Dis- <laughs> There's no fucking. Uh, distinct lack of fucking. <laughs> the um, Yule Ball. The Yule Ball. Harry and Ron just make two girls' nights miserable. That's true. This is like, has the most potential to be like the most fun Christmas. And we'll get to that. And it is. The worst. So it's not probably fun. the worst. Everyone has a bad time. Hagrid like gets utterly demoralized by <laughs> by uh, Maxine, who just storms off and like stops her relationship with him. Yeah. But then tries to like later worm his way, her way back into his life, and then Hagrid gets fucking exposed and cancelled. Yeah. And Hermione's like pleasant date with a creepy older man. Whatever, that's a whole other thing. Just gets ruined by Ron being a little shit. Yeah. Like, everyone is fucking miserable, and there's no... Harry didn't get to go with the girl that he likes, and so he ignores the girl he does go with. (sighs) The only one who has any fun is uh, Neville and Ginny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that Ginny... Well, Ginny didn't have much fun with Neville because he kept stepping on her feet, but she did meet Michael Corner there. That's true. Yeah, so she did ditch him there as well. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I just remember that they were dancing a lot. We'll get to this later, but I once started a fan fiction that I did not complete <laughs> that would have fixed all the problems with the old Paul, but we'll get to that later. Order of the Phoenix. Okay, most of it's fine. They celebrate Christmas with Sirius, and then Harry's like finds out that he may or may not be being possessed by Voldemort, and he's pretty big downer. Shuts himself off from the world, and that fucking sucks. Fuck off. Yeah. I mean, also Arthur Weasley gets attacked, but that's not the end of the world, really. Everyone's kind of fine the next day. Yeah, a lot of Order of the Phoenix is just depressing. Yeah. Like, 
like Harry is depressed. Oh. And so like Christmas is not fun because Harry is depressed. But there's also, of course, the fact where they go and meet Neville and his grandmother mm. and Ron, Hermione and Ginny learn the horrifying situation with Neville's parents. That's fun. Whew. That's a fun time. Book six. First, we've got Slughorn's party and everyone's miserable there. Then we've got the, the Weasley's time and everyone's miserable there because it's quiet and they're sat around and Fleur is just making fun of Molly's music and every, no one wants to be listening to it anyway. And then Percy shows up and Molly is fucking wrecked again afterwards because he's not there to see her. He's there to use his connection to his family so that the minister can see Harry. Ha! <laughs> yeah. And then there's Deathly Hallows and like, uh, okay... Sure, maybe this one wouldn't have been the nicest Christmas, but it still adds to the case of everything sucks because they end up in Godric's Hollow by pure coincidence and nearly get murdered and Harry's wand is broken and also they discover that a beloved author of Hermione's favourite book is dead and a snake. Yeah. It fucking sucks. Yeah. So, so my guess is that you're going to fix it by making Christmas not terrible at least once? What if Christmas could just be fun? What if, in <laughs> any, every, frankly, every book... Hmm. Like, there's plenty of downtime. Yeah. Time to be down. It doesn't have to be at Christmas. Why at Christmas I get it all the drama, blah, blah, blah. Fuck off. This isn't EastEnders or a fucking soap opera where you need to get high ratings on Christmas by being miserable as all fuck. No. No, no, no. So the first one, okay, whatever. We don't really need to touch that one. It's melancholy. And, like, Christmas, Christmas itself is Christmas Day fine. itself in the first book is the best Christmas that, like, Harry has ever had at yeah. that point. He is having a blast. He's got gifts. He's got his friends there. Like, that one's fine. Chamber of Secrets? Just make the fact that Hermione's turned into a cat funny. Like, <laughs> like Ron's kind of sniggering at it. Myrtle's laughing. What if Hermione isn't, like, traumatized? It's like, oops, I turned into a cat. I know everything will be fine because I'm at Hogwarts. Everyone will be able yeah. to sort me out. It's magic, but um, I grabbed the wrong hair. I'm a cat. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Just make it funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. the rest of that stuff is funny. All the stuff with Ron and Harry impersonating. kind of makes it a little they bit They do a lot better. Ron like... and Harry impersonating Crab and Goyle is funny. Yeah. Reading? <laughs> I didn't I read. didn't know you could read. <laughs> Fucking 12-year-old Tom Felton improvising that line. So good. What a legend. <laughs> Ugh. Prisoner of Azkaban, just fuck off. Just don't... Why do Harry and Ron have to be furious at Hermione for that? Just I don't, yeah. let it be reasonable. Like, ugh, you're right. Like, it's a shame, but... Yeah, but, it sucks, but she is right. Yeah. Order the... Uh, goblet of fire. Just, the Yule Ball is nice now. Okay? <laughs> Ron is jealous. Yeah. He realises that. But he doesn't take that out on Hermione. Yeah. He's kind of down. And maybe, like, he doesn't have a good time with Padma. Padma goes off with another boy anyway. That's fine. Yeah. Harry and Parvati dance a couple more times or just change it so they're not he's not there with Parvati why are you just using your only Asian characters to make up for the fact that he's pining over a different Asian character mm. yeah I hadn't even thought about that yeah Order of the Phoenix like just have Ginny and Ron immediately confront Harry maybe with Hermione's help or whatever instead of it being a dwelling like have her, like Ginny just immediately go over to Harry slap her around the face point out yeah you're not special because you've been possessed by Voldemort, bitch. You yeah. haven't even been possessed by Voldemort. And then also we get more fun Happy Christmas. Because we do get some of that. We do. The stuff with Neville, like... It's important is the thing. Yeah. Fine. Maybe that one's allowed to be yeah. less happy. Still... And it also super fits, like, all of the stuff that's going on in yeah. Order of the Phoenix. It's, like, a huge part of 
Neville's storyline yeah. in that book in particular. And it's interesting. It's not particularly important that Ron, Hermione, and Ginny no. learn it. Yeah. It's, but it's that Neville knows that Harry and also the others know. Yeah. Because Harry already knew this. Like it wasn't yeah. new information to him. But it's also different to like see it rather than just like hear it from like, yeah. Dumbledore or whatever. And yeah. it, it is important that the audience sees this and knows this because like when mm. they do go to um like the ministry and like Neville has like his moment with like Bellatrix and stuff like mm-hmm. like that is important. Yeah. So book so, six. That one's okay. Book six. Fucking. I don't know, Slughorn's party could be a bit more fun. Maybe yeah. maybe someone can have some fun. I mean, Harry and, with N- Luna does have fun at first. Yeah. <laughs> and like, okay, he goes and spies on Malfoy. But maybe Hermione, like just, oh, just Hermione runs whole thing in that book. <laughs> Doesn't need to be as fucking miserable as it is. <laughs> stop having Ron. If Ron and Hermione are your primary end game ship, stop having them hate each other for the majority of the series. That's fucked up. Um, The author seems to think that that is how love happens <laughs> because james and lily were the same way and they were like you know everyone's like oh they loved each other blah, blah, blah. but also like they hated each other like what so that's bad that is well, bad lily hated james james never hated lily yeah you, that you know was, what I mean. that was bad but seems to have been more or less grown out of yes. with hermione and ron they're supposed to be good friends yeah they spend most summers together and then all the time in between they hate each other yeah book six don't have the minister and and Percy show up. That sucks. Yeah. Like what? Just so that Percy could actually have an appearance in every book? No, fuck off. <laughs> but doesn't need to be in this one. He's not there. <laughs> Instead, Scrimger info- like gets hold of Harry some other time. Yeah. Doesn't matter where or when. Just you can even keep the stuff where like Molly's a little bit mad because like Percy isn't there. You know. Yeah. And then she's like making the the most of it with her her like adopted family like Harry etc. Yeah. Like. Also, realizing that they mean more to her. They're listening to this Christmas music. What if almost everyone there doesn't find it miserable as fuck? What if they're just having a nice, happy sing-song? Yeah. Because it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Fuck me. Also, in the movie, because I forgot about the movie, they don't get attacked <laughs> by Death Eaters. Because <laughs> that's also that. Christmas. I forgot Merry that. fucking Christmas. <laughs> Have a war fight. We're burning your house down. Like, I get... I understand the reasoning why they did it because, like, in the book, we're constantly fe- being fed these little bits and pieces about stuff that's happening to other people. Yeah. And that's hard to do, that's hard to do. in the movie yeah. and, like, whatever. But there's got to be a better way than this. There's got to be a better way than just Christmas fucking sucks every time. Yeah. Deathly Hallows, I'm going to give a pass on. Like, it's the last book. It's the most serious and dramatic. That was allowed to be... Like, it is everything also, again, is miserable doing an time. important... Yes. Uh, I mean, doing a thing. the only thing really there is it doesn't need to be Christmas it at all. It didn't need to be it was, Christmas. It's just it's practically a throwaway line that, oh, I think it's Christmas. Just yeah. so that we can acknowledge that Christmas happens. But I don't know. That's, like, the last two books are the only ones... Or was it three? I don't know. We don't... Early on, Halloween was a big deal that got brought up all the time and that yeah. stopped being a thing. Yeah. We don't need to acknowledge Christmas Day specifically every time. You could just later come back to it when Ron says that Hermione mentioned his name on Christmas. Mm. And yeah, that was Christmas. Oh, we didn't even realize. Just yeah, just have it be like that. We didn't even yeah. realize that day was Christmas. Like they don't need just yeah. Yeah. Make Christmas happy. <laughs> it's fucking Christmas. Yeah. You're not buying for ratings. Gosh. What is that? Moments of levity. Seriously. Let that, <laughs> let Christmas, actual literal Christmas, be the moment of levity amidst all the drama and misery. 
Everyone stops fighting the war and Voldemort and Harry play soccer. I mean, <laughs> if the fucking English and German armies could do it in World War fucking one. Voldemort and Harry play football. <laughs> so that's how I'm sorting it out today. Excellent. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Christmas can be nice now. <laughs> God rest you, Merry Hippogriff. <laughs> I want more. Order of the Phoenix has a cute little like flying Santa flying on a broom yeah. ornament that was like a living ornament style in the style of the pictures. That was cute. That was cute. more of that shit. Yeah, I want more like I want Wizard Christmas carols. Tell me how wizards celebrate Christmas and how that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just you know. More fun. Yeah. Let the the Yule Ball in particular, let it actually be fun. Let everyone have fun. It's supposed to be so fun. I've talked about the Yule Ball before and how, like, Harry could have gone with Ginny and that would be cute and fun. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's a little awkward or whatever. Ron can go with Luna. You can just introduce Luna a bit earlier. And that's obviously fun. And Luna doesn't mind that that Ron isn't paying attention to her. And, like... Yeah, Christmas is fun now. Yay! Yay, Christmas! Thank you for listening to Sorted. And thank you to the Pocket Podcast Network for hosting us. You can find other cool shows in the network, such as... Green Mountain Mysteries. Home Viewing. And our other show, Pokemakers. Thank you to Matt Majakamo of The One From Willows for our theme song, The House of Awesome Theme Song. And if you agree or disagree with our sorting, you can find us on Twitter, at SortedPod. You can also find us both individually. I'm at CodenameJD. And I'm at Pachew, P-T-C-H-E-W. And while you're there on Twitter, tweet at us your favourite elf. <laughs> from whatever Christmas thing... Or non-Christmas thing. Yeah. Send us Legolas. The, Send us Dobby. The Neptunians from Futurama. Yeah. Oh, Legolas. Yeah, good. Nice. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> it took me a moment to, to hit me. I mean, we have sorted him before. Yeah, but, you know, if he's your favorite elf. Yeah. Send us your D&D OCs. Like, whatever, man. Taco. Yeah. Keebler elves. I've heard that before. Yeah, they're I don't know the what ones that, that is. They're the ones that bake cookies and trees. Oh, well, wait, I guess we just sorted those. Don't send us those, then. We did just sort them. Unless you want to send, give us a specific one. Send us elves. Winky. Who's oh, who's Hepzibah Smith's one? Ho- Ho- Hokey. 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 Is Hokey your favorite elf? <laughs> Probably not. Please tweet at me if Hokey is your favorite elf. Not just having a water house elf, but just in general, your favorite elf. Because I want to understand you. <laughs> if you are someone listening to this and Hokey is your favorite elf, and you don't like have a Twitter account, email us. Yep. At Fierce Podcasts. Fierce Podcasts at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Uh, or create a Twitter account for the sole purpose of telling us yeah. that your favorite elf is hokey. Or if, like, the majority of our listeners, you're just one of our friends anyway, send us a text. Just, I need to know. If you're, if if hokey is your favorite anything, favorite Harry Potter character, favorite... Where are the hokey stands? Whatever. You're where my hokey stands at. <laughs> Contact us in some way if you are a hokey stan. Bye. Bye. Start a new house and it's called awesome. Start a new house. It's called awesome. Start a new house and it's called awesome. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket. 
Hi, I'm Brittany, and I have a bachelor's degree in film and television. And I'm Jessica, and I have a bachelor's degree in equine studies. What would happen if we put our heads together? We would come up with the new best worst horse movie. Like a movie where a horse is the best hard-boiled detective the city has ever seen. Or a movie where horses are fighting in the front lines in a space war. We're doing just that here at Colt Classics, a new show on the Pocket Podcast Network. Join us every other Monday for good horses, bad plots, and all the bad horse movies you never knew you needed in your life.